This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society. And we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And good evening, Hearts of Oak. I hope those of you in the UK have been enjoying fireworks. Happy 5th of November, Guy Fawkes evening and all of that. Um, so that's those of you in the UK. Those of you in the States, that may confuse you, but uh, we'll, we'll fill you in. And I'm sure you put in pictures of fireworks in the UK. You will get a lot. So that's why we're a little bit late, just to give you a chance in the UK to go out and enjoy some of those fireworks. And it is wonderful to have back with us once again, Caroline Farrow. Caroline, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Good evening, everyone. Hello. I hope we won't get you arrested this time because that's what happened last time, but we'll get, we'll get into that. So, yes. <laughs> we'll touch on some of that and people can see obviously all the stories up um i enjoyed watching you on mark stein gb news i enjoyed watching you on the one and only mr steve bannon in the war room and everywhere else but um that'll probably come in anyway as we discuss if you're not following caroline already you can follow her there is her handle on twitter and getter so you can make sure and follow her all the other links are in the description let me Make sure that we are live on everything. If I can just check our moderator team, they're telling me that Facebook's okay, Getter's okay, Rumble's okay, website's okay. So I'm sure DLive is also good, and I'm sure CloudHub is also good. Then watching after, if you're watching on BitChute or listening to Podbean, listening on the go, uh, thank you so much for uh, watching or listening that way uh i just let me pull up one or two comments uh dreamer 1066 hello peter and caroline miles washbrook good evening peter and caroline everyone on here linda with an ay good evening peter and caroline from canada uh the people's what, uh, communist republic of china or whatever or of canada, china, <laughs> canada. <laughs> same difference uh sheila 24 hello great to see you all drop your comments in on the side um and we will try and pull some of those in but our first story which Funny enough, didn't come up, but I uh, don't know why. We were talking about this just before, but it is. Caroline had put up the front page, I think it was The Telegraph a couple of days ago, and the headlines were sweeping tax rises, puberty blockers at nine, cold winter stokes energy fears, and Wales football wants name change to Cymru. And Caroline had put up conservative in name only. Um Caroline, do you want to let us know what on earth did you mean conservative for name only? Well, it was really a comment about the uh, tax rises we're all facing um, and, you know, Rishi's new regime, you know, Rishi's new budget uh, since becoming prime minister. So it just really struck me that we, we've been warned that we're in for, you know, two years of absolute pain. The UK is going into recession. We could have that go up to 25%. Um, and, you know, we've been told of all these sort of swinging tax rises that, that are necessary. Um, and it seems to me that this is, you know, very much, it's almost like Harold Wilson's government. This is very much Labour policy, isn't it? Piling on, piling on the tax, you know, in order to keep our infrastructure going. Um, and I can understand why uh, this is happening because, of course, we had four hundred billion pounds spent on 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 the COVID uh, and the lockdown response. You know, magic, magic Rishi's money tree or Rishi's magic money tree. Uh, you know, we had so much money spent on furlough and you know lockdown and of course the vaccines. Um, and so, yeah, these things need to be paid for. But you know, the, the Conservatives, I think, are running out of goodwill because when they came in in 2010 with, with the uh, Lib Dem coalition, we were told we needed austerity and, you know, Labour had left notes, there's no money left. And where are we uh, 12 years later? We're still in the same position. And it, it strikes me that just this budget is very much you know, Labour-centric. This is, this, is, this is of the left. This is a sort of left-wing policy. Um, you know, Liz Truss is and Kwasi uh, Kwarteng, who, who got scrapped, you know, their budget was all about reducing the tax burden, giving people uh, more of their own money to spend, uh, whereas actually we've had a complete you know, 180 reversal 
so so that was really uh, my comment on this is not you know typically conservative fiscal policy and 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 this government i think is in many ways conservative in name only yeah absolutely agree uh let's jump on to the next uh, can i just start one thing before we jump in just to our viewers, there are two getter events coming up, if I could just mention them. One is in London. So one is Monday the 21st in the Backyard Comedy Club, Comedy Unleashed. They are having uh, some great comedians, Andrew Lawrence and Tim Young's coming over from the States, Abby Roberts and Dominic Frisbee as emceeing. Those tickets are available, only seven quid, and that includes a drink. So basically, it's free. All uh, getter are sponsoring that. That's on the 21st. So I just encourage you to go and have a look at our Hearts of Oak uh, getter feed or our Twitter feed um, and you'll see that being promoted or in Getter UK on their getter feed. It's on the top. So go make use of that. Let's fill the place. Uh, it's been a long time. Andrew Lawrence has really been out of it uh, since he was deplatformed quite a while ago. And it's great to see him back on the comedy circuit. So come and see USA, UK and a bit of Wales, which are part of the UK. So coming in with Abby Roberts. Uh, that's the 21st, uh, Monday the 21st, uh, at the Backyard Comedy Club in Bethnal Green. But let's jump on. I just want to mention, because that's just gone live. That's going to be a, a great evening. Here we have an article you wrote, and you might need to fill in uh, our non-UK audience a little bit. This is Christian tradition means Braverman deserves the right to have second chance. Do you want to fill our viewers in on this, Catherine or Caroline? Yeah, so Suella Braverman is the Home Secretary and she resigned uh, under Liz Truss after 45 days because it had been revealed that she had sent some sensitive emails uh, to her personal account or from her personal account. And the reason that she had done this apparently was because she found it, she was she was having to access via her different device, via her phone, and she was just doing it for ease of use. Now, I'm not defending what she did. Obviously, you know, there, there's a big security issue, but she was a rookie. Uh, and she was, you know, on on the hoof, and she was making, you know, I think probably a, a rookie error. This doesn't show that Suella is in any way untrustworthy, or it, it doesn't show a major sort of character defect, as perhaps some of the other politicians um, have. And I think in this country we have, we we seem to have. A, I think it's fueled by social media. This culture, as soon as you make a mistake, you must fall on your sword, Japanese style. You must resign. Um, and and there's there's a clam. There's been a clamour for Suella to resign, and, and the clamour has been politically motivated, because um, Suella gets uh, up everybody's noses, or, or she, she gets up the left wing's nose, because she is very much on the money about UK policing. She's called the UK police to account and said, please stop wasting your time with these non-crime hate crimes with policing pronouns on Twitter and, and Twitter spats. This is just a waste of our time. She intervened, uh, I think it was Sussex Police Force, had tweeted something about a paedophile who had been incarcerated in a woman's prison uh, and uh, or, or had been found, that's right, a paedophile had been found guilty and everyone said, you know, this is who claimed to be a woman and everyone said, this is not a woman, this is clearly a man. Look at the picture, look at who it is. It, it's clearly a man. And Sussex Police's response was, you know, we are going to take really strong action against anyone who misgenders. Uh, and Suella um, stepped in because the whole of Twitter was saying, well, put me in prison then because this is clearly a bloke. Uh, and Suella stepped in and, and sort of gave... Uh, Sussex police virtual wrap around the knuckles and said, "Look, can you just get back to policing? Not not policing pronouns on Twitter." So she is really on the money with the policing. She's also really on the money with the transgender agenda. So she gave a speech and she in the House of Commons and she talked about how schools should not be uh, adopting these gender neutral toilets and, and sort of pro-transgender policies that girls have the right to their own sort of separate single sex bathrooms. Schools should not be forcing, uh, should not be allowing pupils to use pronouns without parental consent. You know, she said all, all the right things, uh, that this gender madness has, has gone too far and she reasserted the rights of women and girls for single sex spaces and urged schools to look at the Equality Act because the Equality Act says that sex is a protective characteristic along with gender reassignment, gender identity. So 
if you look at the actual letter of the law, then we can have single spec sex spaces and we should have single spec uh, spaces. So uh, she's obviously got up the nose of the transgender lobby. Uh, she's she's got up the nose, uh, you know, generally of the transgender lobby over the policing and, and calling the police to account. And of course, she has she's saying things that are upsetting people about the UK immigration problem in that you know we have hundreds and hundreds uh, of migrants coming in every day every week that we simply cannot you know manage to house and and look after because obviously once you accept migrants into the cat into the country then you've got a duty to look after them and and the the country is clearly clearly struggling uh, to accommodate all these people so she's the first home secretary to really want to take a sort of strong action on this uh, so you know she's absolutely hated so people are picking up um, on this mistake that she made, that made her resign to say, well, she shouldn't stay, she shouldn't be in office. But actually, as soon as Suella made her mistake, she she knew immediately and she she self-reported. She, you know, she, she reported to everybody and, and she immediately resigned. And when Rishi Sunak uh, got voted in as prime minister or got appointed as, as, as prime minister, um, he reappointed Suella Braverman, and I think it was sort of a concession, realizing that she, you know, she was quite popular. She was popularist, um, and everyone has just gone absolutely mad. And I've said that actually, the mistake she made, you know, if you were in an office, this would not be kind of a, an escorted out of the building office, clear your decks, leave the building with, with a cardboard box. Yes, she might get a written warning. She might even get a final written warning, but there's nothing about that mistake that shows that she's. Um, dishonest or not trustworthy and in fact you know a very Christian tradition is that we do allow people to sort of make a mistake own it and learn from it of course in some instances where mistakes are very grievous or somebody keeps repeating an egregious pattern of behavior and showing that they haven't uh, reformed in any way shape or form that's a different matter but I think in in this case uh, Suella has put her hands up she self-reported. And, and one of the things that did make me, I think, raise a right eyebrow over this was, was Chris Bryant, who's the Labour MP, who is the chair of the Common Standards Committee. So at the same time as this was going on, Chris had to apologise to the House of Commons because he took a photograph in the chamber, which is just not allowed. It is verboten. And, and, and MPs know this. You don't take photographs of each other in the chamber. It's, it's, it's a real breach of privacy and protocol. Um, and, you know, he had to apologise. And as leader of the Standards Committee, he would have known that full well. So here is a man sort of happy to lead witch hunts uh, against other people include and it's mainly conservative MPs and he was you know calling out Suella Braverman and it was like hang on this is real deflection f from from your own behavior and there's question marks over whether or not you should really be leading uh, the common standards committee when you've you know blatantly broken the rules yourself you know pleading ignorance uh, is well I'm not sure if he did plead ignorance or whether or not he just said, thought that it was justified in the heat of the moment um and I think Chris Bryant generally is somebody who does have an issue with self-control because when he was a Church of England vicar um I think he got pictured in his saggy grey underpants on some gay dating sites um and obviously we don't hold things against people forever but that to me shows that he does actually have a, a potentially a self-control issue so uh, it really was the, the pop calling the kettle back and you know I'm actually glad I think a lot of people are glad that you know Suella is still home secretary and, and hopefully she won't repeat that mistake again and I, I really don't think she will yeah, well, I'm um, quite excited about a lot of what Suella said, and I think the less about Chris Brandt, the better, because I could join you with a long list of issues I had, but we'll not even go there because that's a whole program in itself. Uh, let's bring this is what happens whenever you let things run wild and you let, uh, I was going to say, can you say the crazy people? Uh, when you let uh, people begin to make policy that is just outside the remits of normality. Transgender paedophile who was born a man uh, but identifies as female is caught duping staff for 71-day stay at Domestic Violence Refuge Centre for Vulnerable Women. I mean, there are a whole lot, but this is where we've got to in society where 
you see these headlines, and it is not just headlines in the Daily Mail that some may say, oh, it's just actually you see it time and time again everywhere. And this shows a pattern of, I guess, the uh, how degenerate study <laughs> have become. Yeah, and it's what you hear about these cases. So a few years ago, when this all really began to, to come to the fore, excuse me, I've got fireworks. <laughs> um, when this all began to um, come to the fore, people said, you know, women raised awareness and women raised red flags saying, if you bring in self-identification laws, this is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to get men identifying as women precisely to get access to women's spaces. Um, and everyone said, oh, this is so rare, it never happens. And we see this time and time again, case after case after case. And in this instance, this person is a paedophile. They assaulted a 10-year-old girl in uh, Morrison's toilet, and they also assaulted another 11-year-old. And they have identified as a woman in order to get into a woman's refuge, and they clearly don't need to be in a women's refuge at all. They, you know, as far as I'm aware, they're not suffering from domestic violence. And I also tweeted a thread uh, earlier this week from a psychologist who works with paedophiles. And he said, you know, part of the, the issue with paedophiles is it's a game. They like to get as close to children as possible and try and do so in a way that sort of makes them look respectable. And, and this, this actually sort of, Beating the system, getting close to children, you know, is, is all part of the, of the weird psyche for them, that they get a thrill from this. They get a thrill from being allowed to be near children, uh, not just, you know, from the heinous acts that they perpetuate on children, but just the whole being near children, you know, it sort of pushes their dopamine buttons uh, and and I'm, I'm obviously using layman's language here, but this is this is part of the thing for them, you know, pretending that they are women. This gives them the thrill, uh, g getting there to children, and it's just horrendous when you think about there are women in refuges and children in refuges who are absolutely traumatized. You know, they've been through some hideous experiences, and they are too traumatized to be anywhere near men. You know, they they, they need help. Uh, and they need, uh, yeah, they need they need help. They need respite, and they have PTSD, and they really need our compassion and their understanding. And this is why women's refuges exist. And these poor women, they knew full well, you know, that one woman said it just gave me the creeps. They knew full well that there, there is this person masquerading as a woman in amongst women's spaces, you know, using the same washing and changing facilities with them, you know, having access to their children, whether that be in dining rooms or whatever, and getting a cheap thrill from it, you know, and also, of course, it's putting the women and the children at risk, as well as traumatizing them, and, and it's using up a valuable resource. This person had no business uh, being in an environment for really vulnerable women, but clearly was getting some sort of thrill uh, fr from being there and, 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 you know, having the idea that he's a woman, having his fantasies validated and legitimised, absolutely appalling. And this, this is what happens when you have self-ID and when your policies are just so geared towards one particular minority that you just forget the rights and responsibilities of, of everybody else. And you, you, you have to feel for the women in that refuge utterly utterly shocking where was the where was the care for them you know the refuge the refuge owes women a duty of care and yeah you know th this is exactly what particularly feminists have been warning about for years and years and you know anyone that points this out you're a bigot this never happens you're demonizing uh, the transgender community but but time and time again we see this happening and actually people like this are I, I, I don't like to use the word queering the pitch because that's obviously a pun, but people like this are, are making it very difficult for, there is you know, a very small minority of people who genuinely do have gender dysphoria uh, and they are absolutely making life so hard mm. for, for people who do have gender dysphoria and they just want to get on and live their lives. Um, but we now just have this huge army of, of activists who just think it's their right to completely invade women's spaces. And of course, here's a story from Greece, and this shows the, I guess, restriction on speech, policing of speech, criminalization of speech. Ex-soccer star convicted of transphobia 
over 2017 post. Pro Jam, if you can just scroll that down uh, and I can see a little bit of what... Yep, so... Here we have a retired star of Greek soccer has been convicted to a commuted sentence of 10 months in prison. I've not got fireworks. And fined 5,000 euros over a transphobic social media post in which he referred to gender reassignment as an abomination. Yep, just like Jordan Peterson would say in his great article in The Telegraph a few months ago. And likened trans people to paedophiles. So again, Caroline, this is where people have a view and previously we allowed we've kind of agreed to disagree now that's not a case if you don't agree then we're going to lock you away and it's quite surprising as well i mean i know that greece is quite left-wing but it also has a very strong christian tradition you know the orthodox church and what i think has happened in greece is they have, like so many countries, they've signed up to various EU directives. Uh, a lot of this has been pushed by the UN as well. We see this in Africa. We see African countries being forced to accept uh, policies to do with gender ideology, pushing you know gender ideology, gender neutral language. And you know, when you talk to women on the ground in Africa, you know, I've got a colleague that does some amazing campaigning work out there. You know, women in Africa are absolutely not interested in this nonsense. They're more interested in kind of getting a decent infrastructure in their country and, and getting education for their children and their girls and, you know, actually having an infrastructure where they can get to hospital and, and healthcare. They are really not interested in, in pronouns and gender ideology. But you've got the EU and you've got the UN just, just pushing it into these countries. And what struck me about this particular case is that because it was 2017, uh, so five years ago, the sentence has, has been commuted. So, so the chap's not in prison for 10 months yet, but you've got the trans lobby group pushing pushing to make sure that he does go to prison for something that he said five years ago, which actually is not, is not all that bad, really. I mean, it is. I think, you know, if we're all going to go to prison for what we say, I think um, gender reassignment surgery is an abomination. I think for some people, particularly, I mean, when it's carried out on children, particularly, and I think that's the context that he was talking about. I mean, what ad, what consenting adults choose to do to their bodies, you know, if you're a consenting adult, then and that's what you want to do, then on your head be it, really. You know, I, I'm not. I wouldn't go down the line of uh, banning these surgeries, although I would question whether or not uh, public money ought to be spent on them. But when it comes to the context of this. Uh, particular comment about it being an abomination he said i hope that the people that are advocating for this you know their children are the first ones because he was talking about it in the context of this sort of surgery being carried out on young children and i think where you have children being you know coerced to accept or to believe that there's something wrong with their bodies because they don't conform to stereotypes that is an abomination you know the these children you only need to look at at, Jazz Jennings, who seems sadly to be a really unhappy individual, and I feel so so sorry for him. You know, he he he's ballooned in weight, and you know, from the age of four, he's been pushed into public eye by his mother, and and forced to believe that you know, or encouraged to believe that there's something wrong with his body. And mm. you know, when you when you've got children uh, being given hormones, being given surgery, and and the effect you know, this has on them, you know, it takes away their fertility, it takes away their ability to to function healthily sexually, you know, you can't, you can't actually properly orgasm when you've had your uh, genitalia messed around with like that. Um, And and you can't consent, you know, I I was talking to uh, young people the other day who, you know, around the age 17, 18 age bracket, and they, they were saying that really, they don't feel that they've lived as, you know, properly, they don't know what it's, what it is to be a mature woman because they've only recently uh, reached adulthood. So how, uh, you know, a young child can, can, can be said to be in the wrong body. And, you know, you've got this so distressing, you know, you know, this as a dad, you see your children and, you know, they're just so perfect. They're so perfect, you know, and they're being encouraged to believe that there's something wrong with their perfect, healthy bodies. It's a tragedy. So I think that the footballer was, 
right in his comments. And of course, you made the, the classic biblical comment about there's no such thing as Adam and, Adam and Steve. Adam and Eve, it's Adam and Steve. Um, and, you know, yes, that, that doesn't kind of quite work in this context in that, you know, God, I think it's more God created them male and female, you yeah, know, yeah. created them um, separate but equal. Uh, and, 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 and that's that's the whole point. You know, I, I said this in an article actually about, you know, Christian teaching is, is that body and soul are holistic um, and that we believe, all Christians believe, we might have different uh, beliefs about eschatology, but we all believe that that one day we will be, our bodies will be resurrected and they will be tran transformed and glorified. Now, uh, if you really believe that you ought to be a man, <laughs> you know, when, when Jesus comes back and, and, you know, our bodies are transformed and glorified, <laughs> you get your old body back. Um, and, and God doesn't, you know, theologically, God doesn't make mistakes like that. God, God doesn't put sort of a, a, a female soul in a male body. That That's just not any kind of coherent theology. Mm. Uh, and it, 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 make, it, it makes neither spiritual sense or biological sense the idea that there's a feminine essence uh, and a male essence you know just even things like brains there's not there's no such thing as a female brain and a male brain uh, there is a brain belonging to a female and a mm. brain belonging to a male and and you can argue that maybe the effect of hormones uh, may may change may have a, may have an impact on neural pathways mm. again i'm not the, the great scientist but but brains are not sort of sexed um you know, a brain isn't a female thing or a male thing. <laughs> you know, it, it 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 belongs to a person of a certain sex. So you know, there's all sorts of cod science okay, yeah. out in support of this. But yeah, it it, it is shocking. Uh, whatever you think of the of, of the footballer's comments, it's absolutely shocking that he should go to prison for literally you know expressing a perfectly legitimate and a trenchant point of view. And and th this is where. You know, society is going, and I really hope. Uh, I think I'm going to campaign on this, but I, you know, I, I really hope that his sense, his sentence gets commuted, or, or that he appeals because it is so so wrong. Well, that's where there are other restrictions is, and you've written this article is on the church, and this is the Catholic Church. So this is uh, a article titled "Priest Banned by the Church for Preaching Catholic Doctrine." Welcome to the new age of faith. Um, so you, where did you write this and what was it about exactly? Okay, so I wrote this in the Catholic Universe um, and this is about Father Sean uh, Sheehy. And, and this should make you, if you're a Christian, this should make you absolutely rage. So Father Sean uh, was, uh, he's a retired priest actually, but he was standing in, he was doing mass cover uh, for the priest who was on a pilgrimage to a holy land. And he preached a very heartfelt sermon about sin this is what sin is and that there are lots of things in society today that christians know are sinful we know that they're sinful and that people try and tell you aren't so he talked about the evils of abortion he talked about sex outside marriage um all these things which are catholic doctrine he also talked about you know same-sex relationships and that is that is christian that is yeah doctrine that basically you shouldn't be having any sex outside of marriage and a marriage is between one man and one woman and he was saying all these things that we try and believe aren't sinful mm. they actually are and that sin exists and then he went on to say but god really god god is very loving god forgives you your sin god is here to heal you he wants to call you back um you know it was it was a, a very um evangelical homily in, in many ways and I, I played it to my husband actually because what happened was this homily then got released onto YouTube and you know the Irish media went absolutely berserk uh, and then eventually the Bishop of Kerry uh, turned very lily-livered and issued an apology on behalf of everyone who was upset and offended and said he shouldn't have preached this, uh, this isn't the Christian position, excuse me it is uh, and this 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 priest, you know, has been taken off the roster. So, you know, he can still celebrate masses, um, but obviously not diocesan ones. And this is absolutely disgusting. This is the bishop throwing this priest under a bus for preaching 
Christian or Catholic doctrine. I, I played the homily actually to my husband, you know, to, to get his sense of it. And he was saying, oh, gosh, yeah, that, you know, uh, you know, it was very brave of him to do it in that way. Um, but he was not wrong. He did not preach anything that goes against Christian doctrine. So actually, uh, the bishop is throwing the priest under the bus and he is misleading Catholics and Christians in his diocese by saying this is not a Christian position. Now we can all argue over whether or not prudentially it was a good idea to preach that sermon because personally my perspective is I, I will always defend Christian and Catholic doctrine always it's my belief and I'm very happy to explain what I believe and why but I'm I don't think that you bring people to a love of God, a, a love of Jesus, by saying thou shalt not. Because if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not going to care. You know, what, what does it matter to you? So me saying you shouldn't do this because it's against my belief, just, you know, who cares? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's, so actually, if you want to bring somebody into a relationship with God if you want them to believe in Jesus then you have to start from a completely different perspective and I think if you then are working towards that that close relationship with God that close relationship with Christ you will want to avoid sin and it's really important that you understand what sin is and, and how to avoid it but at the same time you know the, the people in that um who, who the people who were listening to that they were Catholics so they should but they should understand. And, and actually, if you're if you are Christian and you see your Christian friend doing something that mm. you believe is wrong, you're not just going to smile and laugh as they kind of trip off happily down the, the path to perdition. So, yeah, it was really, really uh, disappointing uh, to, to see the Bishop of Kerry do that. Um, just just throwing the piece. And, and, you know, as I said, has Catholic doctrine changed? If so, I didn't I didn't get the memo, <laughs> you know. Because it was him saying this is not the Christian position. It is. It absolutely yeah. is. And there is a problem. There is a real problem. I think even amongst catechized Catholics and other Christians, we all want to be nice. We all want to be caring. And so we don't want to upset or offend anybody. Um, so we try and pretend that it's OK. God won't mind. God won't mind if you do this. Um, now, when it comes to my friends who aren't Christian, I'm not going to sit there and proselytise at them because they're not interested and neither am I going to sit in judgment over their choices. And I do also believe that at the end of the day, uh, gosh, it's turning a bit religious. <laughs> I do believe that at the end of the day, uh, God is merciful and God will judge you on everything. And, you know, as a Christian, we are told that we cannot judge other people's souls. We cannot judge their eternal destination. So, you know, for me, I don't think that's the way I would necessarily uh, approach a homily. That's my only criticism. But I'm not a priest. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm not charged with the care of souls. And, you know, actually, there was there was nothing wrong. And sometimes you need to be challenged with hard truths. And the other thing that really got me a bit about this, people were saying, oh, oh Ireland has rejected this clericalism. But the thing is, this is, was a priest in church. The Irish media have got no right to tell a priest what he should or shouldn't yep. be saying in church. You know, church and state are separate. Um, a priest can, can, you know, and this was a religious freedom issue. And so that's what was so horrible, actually, to see the Catholic Church capitulate to the media because the media threw their hands up in horror. Oh, my goodness, how dare Catholics believe, you know, Catholic teaching. Um <laughs> You know, then then uh, the, the Bishop of Kerry capitulated, and I, I think an apology is is really due. But also, it's quite interesting in that um, it's made a lot of Catholics really, really, you know, oxygen of publicity yeah. is, is a good thing. You know, his his big knee jerk reaction has has been uh, counterproductive, uh, and it's it's actually got people saying. But what does it mean for other priests in that diocese if they start? preaching Catholic truth, are they going to be sanctioned? Um, yeah, no, it's a really, really wrong do. And I, I, hope, I hope that the priest gets apologised to and, and reinstated. Let's go there. We've now five or six, so let's fly through them and let's do... Um, this is the next one. Transgender criminal makes history by appearing in court as both a man and a woman. Here is the individual. Officers' uh, offences committed by Alan and Alana Morgan, 
the same person heard it Dundee Court. This is not a spoof. This is not Babylon B. Uh, this is four cases in one day, I think. Two cases. It was, yes, I'm Alan. And in two, it was, I'm Alana. That was supposedly female. Um you begin to worry for these people. Uh, obviously, if this individual keeps committing crimes, something has gone wrong on that side, and then they're actually sitting in the same chair, and for 20 minutes, they're a female, and for 20 minutes, they're a male. Yeah. I, I can't even, Peter. I can't even. It's just absolutely insane isn't it you know it just makes a mockery of justice uh and this is this is why it's stuff like this that you know you just think law and order is breaking down i mean yeah, yeah I, I i i don't really know what to say about it other than to to say that it just demonstrates the total total insanity i mean yeah one minute he's alan the next minute he's alana uh, you know and He's quite clearly cuckoo, yeah. and we are paying lip service to this because we have to. And it shows, I think, as well that the um, the bench guidelines, you know, the court and legal guidelines, really need changing because they've been rewritten to pander to this sort of madness and insanity. And a friend of mine, uh, Maria McLachlan, very left-wing feminist, she got assaulted at Hyde Park Corner at a feminist demonstration by a, a transgender guy. You know, and she's is like a granny in her sixties, and it was this young teenager who who got into a physical altercation. And, and when it went to court, and he got found guilty and fined, she was told this was a couple of years ago that she would be in contempt of court if she used the wrong pronouns towards this guy who had assaulted her. And at that point, uh, she, you know, capitulated. And she says that's a source of really great regret for her. She, you know, she had her time again and she'd go to prison and be banged up for it. Um, but, you know, this is where we are. We have, you know, legally, we're supposed to um, adhere to this madness. And I, you know, I think in court, you are bound to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. You, you are, you know, you swear by an oath yes. that you, of, of truthfulness, and yet you're being forced and coerced uh, to lie. Uh, so how can you? Can, can I just? What do you think? I should decide on that. Uh, people do swear. I'll tell the truth, whole truth, nothing but the truth. But if there's no such thing as truth, what does that then mean? No, no, no that's so true. If, if you know, I'm going to tell my truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it highlights, you know, it's this whole kind of post-structuralism, isn't it? This, 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 this post-modernism. It, it, it's nonsense. You can't tell your truth. Uh, oh, we saw what happened with Meghan Markle. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell my truth. Oh, we were secretly married uh, two days before we were actually married, you know, and then the Archbishop of Canterbury had to step in and say, uh, no love. No. <laughs> <laughs> but this is my truth. <laughs> you know, I just... But yeah, I'm, I'm, there, there isn't really much to say um, about Alan or Alana and this, you know, appearing twice, once as a man, once as a woman, other, other than it just highlights the absolute lunacy and insanity of all this and that we have to stop pandering to it. Well, let's jump on it. Actually, I think if I was, it would be Alan and Alanis, but I just liked Alanis Morissette growing up. So I didn't think Alana was the best. Uh, that's that, that's what I've picked. I'll not ask you all what you would pick as your other identity. No, even go there. Um, so the, on Twitter, so here we have a story, and this is just interesting just because it's topical. And it shows the issue with these large companies where they get funding. Alarm on Capitol Hill over Saudi investment in Twitter. Possible access to users' data could post national security risk and could be used to target Kingdom's dissidents. And this is that uh, they are Elon Musk borrowed for his 43, 44 billion, whatever, he borrowed, I think, 13 billion to finance that. Uh, and a chunk of that has come from the Saudis. I wonder what could go wrong, <laughs> actually, free speech and the Saudis. But we'll see how it works for Elon. Yeah, I, it's interest, interesting because 
Although it's great in some ways, now on Twitter, you can say that a woman doesn't have a penis uh, and not be <laughs> suspended or banned. Um, you know, Elon's only got Twitter for himself yeah. uh, and, and to make money out of it and to make a brand out of it. And there is a real issue going on at the moment in terms of who controls the Internet, uh, because we seem to have, you know, you say that the government uh, shouldn't control speech, which clearly it shouldn't. Um, but instead, we've got a handful of small uh, corporations and companies yeah. controlling the Internet, controlling the social media platforms. Um, I know we haven't uh, scheduled to talk about it, but there's an interesting issue with uh, one of my favorite sites. But it's not really my favorite site, but a, a, a site called, um, well, I don't know, it's, it's very topical for me, Kiwi Farms which is a site I was arrested over. And uh, Kiwi Farms keeps being taken down um, by Cloudflare, by Cloudflare, by other small ISPs who seem to, if my understanding is correct, seem to be doing something really naughty and that they are accepting the traffic to Kiwi Farms and then they are dropping it. Uh, and Kiwi Farms is a completely legal site. Mm. Uh, it's a site that many people don't like. It's, you know, it's, it's very uh, rough and ready, I think, is the word. It uses, I see threads on there and I vehemently disagree with them and I think, mm, that's that's not right. I don't think, you know, the, I think you've got this whole situation wrong. I don't think you should be hating on this person in this way. But at the end of the day, uh, Kiwi Farms is a site that exists to laugh at eccentric uh, internet personalities. And I know when I've been featured on there and when, when horrible people say stuff about me online, actually for my own mental health, I really have to try not to look at it because it's like drinking poison, uh, mm. dwell on it. And so um, people have, because they dislike Kiwi Farms, but Kiwi Farms is also a very useful site in that it documents people's uh, misdeeds and bad things. Mm. So there are a couple of very key people who have done heinous things, who've done terrible things, uh, and Kiwi Farms has documented them. And it's, you know, you can't go onto Kiwi Farms and say, do you know what, last night I saw Caroline drinking goat's blood in the Sahara. Well, you can, but the Kiwi Farmers would say, well, where's your receipts? Where your, where's your proof of that? Mm. You know, it's, it's not just a sort of unsubstantiated gossip site. Um, and so because these people don't like the facts of their misdeeds, being published on the internet yeah. they have done their absolute utmost to shut this site down and they smeared the owner uh, and they have you know made all sorts of claims which can be shown not to be true but the sort of cowardly internet giants have taken the word of a few social justice warriors and, and these people who don't like their own misdeeds being uh, documented on there and they've just pulled the plug on it. Um, and the owner of the site, I think one day he ought to be in a really, really high paid job because he has just come up with some ingenious solutions uh, to try and keep the site online. And it doesn't matter what you think of Kiwi Farms. Actually, no one should have the right to deny someone else uh, free, you know, free speech. Yeah. And, you know, there are these claims, oh, Kiwi Farms isn't free speech. But actually, all the stuff that the, all the accusations that are leveled at the site cannot be substantiated uh, at all. So, yeah, it, it, I think that has really highlighted that, that there is a real problem in terms of who controls what we see and what we have access to. Uh, and me, I'm quite stubborn. And if someone says to me, you shouldn't be looking at this site, you shouldn't be commenting on this site, I actually think, Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to be told uh, what what to do, uh, particularly when it's with people with quite uh, dodgy moral records um, themselves. So, yes. so yeah, I, th the, I think we are coming to a point where we all need to start asking questions and, and actually being a bit more creative ourselves and not just being so beholden uh, to, to these big platforms um, you know, yeah, sort of, Elon wants us to give eight quid or something, doesn't he? Eight, eight yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and he just wants to basically control everybody's data and, and build this big commercial platform and, you know, use it for his own gain. So, yeah, uh, caveat emptor, really. Um, but, yeah, we have. I think we have to start asking questions um, about 
big tech and and you know who who controls the internet who's given these people yeah. amount of power over us and and in a digital age where knowledge is power information is power you cripple somebody uh by stopping them having a site on the internet and you you know stop them from being able to do financial tra- transactions you're actually stopping somebody from being able to participate in society and, and that's quite scary absolutely uh right four stories two minutes ago <laughs> here we go jk Rowling. uh harry potter sales surge despite efforts to boycott J.K. Rowling. Bloomsbury reports more readers than ever, a sales jump 35%. It's good to see common sense being rewarded, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just so funny, isn't it? You can't cancel uh, J.K. Rowling. Uh, You can't cancel Harry Potter. Um, I really laughed the other day because uh, I noticed there were some blue tick transgender activists telling lies about me on Twitter saying, oh, yeah, Caroline Farrow was arrested for making threats on the Internet. And I wasn't at all. Uh, that was not why I was re- arrested. Um, and I thought, who is this person with a blue tick? I've never heard of them. So I just put their name into Google and their website came up. And uh, they had cats named after Harry Potter characters. And it was, you know, <laughs> a transgender activist. And I thought, oh, that's going to sting, isn't it? Having to, um, and all, all these people who were formerly big, you know, Harry Potter fans yeah. can't, can't, you know. But, but it just shows, you know, talent will out and you, you can't cancel uh, good writing. Um, I, th- I just think it's hilarious and that actually the more people have tried to cancel her, <laughs> the better she's doing it. I think she said something the other day about every time I look at my paycheck <laughs> or my royalty check, <laughs> is it, how do you live with yourself? And she said, well, I sort of tend to feel a bit better when I look at my royalty check. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Let's go. This is another, it fits in similar to the, the jail story. And it is about a, let me bring it up. It is three, two, one. There it is. And it is a Norwegian man now identifies as a disabled woman and uses wheelchair almost all of the time. And again, some people have issues. Uh, This man in Norway, that's a man, yes, is sparking outrage on social media after he was sympathetically interviewed about his decision to begin identifying as a disabled woman. Well, I guess, why not? I mean, you can pick and choose whatever you like, I thought, these days. So um, why not be a disabled woman? And it, it talks about, um, I, I get confused, his, her, uh, always desiring to be a disabled woman. I think, wow, and now they've actually made it happen. And everyone, I guess, has to now accept this. It's disgusting. It it just shows that for many people, uh, choosing to be a woman is just a fetish and a costume that they put on. And this person has decided not only to appropriate femininity or, you know, being a woman, femininity, um, he's also decided to appropriate disability. Um, It's easy to laugh. But actually, his wheelchair should be taken away and he should be forced to walk. Um, I feel quite strongly about this because probably like a lot of people, you know, I know I have disabled friends. Um, The other day I was at an event in London uh, and I met a friend of mine who is uh, Christian Hacking. He had a climbing accident and he's permanently uh, in a wheelchair. And I, I accidentally... I didn't mean to actually but I met him at Waterloo and I was like hi Christian he was like Caroline can you can you walk with me uh till we were going to Parliament Square and I Mm. with him across um Waterloo Bridge and you know we had we had a really nice time we walked there and we walked back uh Christian is a very young fit man um but you could just see in terms of you know he, he didn't uh, he only he only needed help uh, on a couple of instances. He's very fit. He's very strong. He's very you know, self reliant. He's got one of these sporty uh, wheelchairs, uh, and he absolutely does not want any kind of a pity party. Uh, but you could also see mm. that you know just how different life is uh, for people who are in a wheelchair. Um, you know, the, just and and they have to think about things that we you know, who are able-bodied don't have to think about, like which path is the least 
bumpy what's my smoother route I can't go up this hill I, I can't do this I can't you know and um in fact Christian was also saying it was quite interesting that when he was recovering and he was in Stoke Mandeville he said that he thought he was going to get very depressed over seeing lots of children uh, in wheelchairs and he said actually you know children who this happens to are much more resilient than you might think and, and much more adaptable but it is still you know uh, you know how do I say it without I, I'm not you know I don't, I don't want to go into sort of terrible pity parties or, or patronize people but but living with a disability is is tough and it's hard it's not fun it's not validating uh you know you are living with a condition that every day you have to overcome and you know it's just sort of low level things that you and I don't think about you know we wake up and we get out of bed and we go to the loo and we have a shower and I bet this guy does that in his house I bet in his house he's completely fine isn't he slubbing around in his tracky bottoms and you know walking to the loo he doesn't need help to get on and off the loo he doesn't need help to get in the shower he doesn't need his house specially adapted it's almost like this is something that he wants to do in public for validation for, for sympathy for whatever and it's just awful it, it, it is sickening and it, it makes me really cross and it's actually an insult it's a real insult uh to to to, to disabled people um yeah I, I, he, nobody nobody should be validating or indulging this yeah no people are disabled because of situations that happen outside their control and they certainly don't choose that uh last two stories this one i to bring this up obviously caroline you've had your run-ins with the police uh just after we were you were on with us a month ago sexual predators in the midst of britain's police forces the murderers and rapists recruited as police officers who were not rooted out amid outrage a report revealing thousands of corrupt cops are signed up for duty you'd think police forces would be doing a proper job to actually make sure they hire people that um, are the best for the job, but they seem to be taking anyone. And of course, if they come and knock on your door, you want to make sure and know that the person is above board and mm. is not a rapist or a murderer. Yeah, it's it's uh, apparently a lot of this has been because the police are so keen to meet their diversity targets. Um, but it's quite disturbing that, that people with serious offences like violence, sexual offences, corruption are allowed to serve in the police force. They should not be allowed to, you know, particularly, um, well, well, all of those things uh, strike you out as being a danger and, and, and untrustworthy. And yes, we can talk about, I talked about second chances uh, earlier, but there's a difference between making a sort of minor error that you're not going to repeat again and, you know, being fundamentally uh, untrustworthy in nature, such as corruption or having, you know, basically you physically assault somebody or you sexually assault somebody and you have crossed a boundary. You, you know, you've shown that you cannot be trusted uh, ever again entirely with other people and other people's boundaries. And yet you've got people like this being trusted with sensitive information, being trusted with vulnerable people. It's so wrong and it undermines, it really does undermine trust uh, in the police force. And we need to have a, an effective police force who we trust. The police govern by, you know, the, the police rule by consent. And it is not good for anybody where we are at the moment in that we just, there is a general mistrust of the police force. Uh, and stories like this, which I'm sure the police would much rather will cover up, just, just highlights uh, the problem and the gulf we had. You know, I grew up believing that police would be trustworthy. You trust your neighbourhood, Bobby. Um, the police would never bother you unless they caught you trying to break into a shed or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I really don't like the attitude that I have towards the police now, which is one of total uh, mistrust. Uh, and I, I just don't trust them uh, to do the right thing or to help them or to be de decent, sensible people. Let's bring up the last one on Florida. And I'm just, uh, just thank you for on the side, Northern. I'm just looking at some of the names on Getter Black Guns 2049, Northern Monkey, Stealth Haven, His Always, uh, where Nick Bumble, Mally Bites. I could go on. Uh, it's good to see you all. Thank you for all your comments. And sorry, don't always get to them. But let me just bring up the last, which is some good news. Obviously, on looking at the midterms coming up uh, on Tuesday, and we'll be reporting that on Thursday uh, with Bannon joining us to discuss that. But 
This is in Florida. Florida proceeds with ban on puberty blockers and sex reassignment surgery for minors. Uh, this is, I guess, great news and common sense from DeSantos in Florida. And I wish all the other states would put children first and not this warped ideology first. Yeah, this is this is such good news for, for, for Florida. And I don't know if you have been following um, Kelly J. Keene, who... Yep. Yeah, she's been doing a tour of America, and it's quite frightening the amount of violence that she and uh, has been subject to violence and threats. Because you and a lot of the women that she has speaking with her, so she goes out, she does a speaker's corner, and she says, "I'm here to give women a voice, to to let women have their concerns." And there are many, many mothers there that are, that are in absolute, you know, they've just been devastated, uh, terrible straits of trauma because their children have been allowed to be medicated, castrated, the children have been uh, set against their parents. It, it has just been horrible uh, and there will be an accounting that takes place. And, and, and she's got mothers trying to speak about, you know, how their children were coerced into taking this medication to having surgery and, you know, were, were basically taken away from them by the state. Um, and she is facing Antifa you know, all sorts of, a bit like Matt, Matt Walsh has been, just all kinds of uh, violent threats f for standing up. And it's just good good to see this is not a right-wing reactionary thing. This is common sense. And we, we need every single state in America uh, to, to follow Florida's example. You know, children should not be given puberty blockers. They shouldn't be given cross-sex hormones. They shouldn't be affirmed as being the opposite sex. And they certainly shouldn't be given surgery. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, Caroline, thank you so much for coming along. I, I want to just leave us with a, a few uh, things to lighten the mood. And the first one is a Musk tweet. And just in case those of you who think actually Musk is good, we've touched on him already, let me bring it up. And it is this tweet which certainly stood out for me. And that is this one. Twitter has had a massive drop in revenue due to activist groups pressurizing advertisers, even though nothing has changed with content moderation. And we did everything we could to appease the activists. Yeah. Extremely messed up free speech, transitory free speech. If you appease those who are uh, of that persuasion, these uh, activists then actually will knock it anywhere it's not about appeasing them it's no. about correcting them yeah. so that that really stood out for me as, as a worry that actually maybe poor Elon isn't getting it if he thinks he can just um, appease these people um, let me let me just run through this was a, a great post from uh, actually let, let me pro jam I'm just going to show this one first and then I'll jump back and play that video and it is this, Bob Moran, absolutely fantastic. This is one of his recent posts. Oops, turns out they weren't witches after all. <laughs> Mistakes were made on both sides. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, th this is exactly it. This is exactly it. Mistakes were made on both sides. And, you know, people say, oh, you shouldn't. You, it's basically, it's like blaming the woman who's raped for being raped. Mm, mm. Uh, or mistakes made on both sides. No, you are absolutely persecuting uh, women and hurting women because you cannot bear what they have to say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Burn yeah. the picture. Mistakes were made on both sides. Oh, she shouldn't have been wearing a pointy hat. You know? yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Well, let's. Uh, here was a clip, and Projan, if you can, want to bring it up, enlarge it, and then let me just play for. We'll probably just do a minute because I think it lasts two minutes. But this is how fragile uh, our. Uh, I guess a new generation is. So if you can just play oh, that. I, <laughs> People wonder why we need a union at Starbucks. And I am literally about to quit. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but like, I really want to. I almost walked out today and I'm crying in the back room right now and I almost cried on the floor. It's just, <laughs> I like I get, I'm, I'm like a full-time student. I get scheduled for 25 hours a week. And then on weekends, they scheduled me the entire day open to close. I'm on the schedule for eight and a half hours, both Saturday and Sunday. I'm like, 
three and a half hours into my shift. There's so many customers and we have four people on the floor all day. <laughs> Only five people were put on the schedule and somebody had to call out. And there are four people running the whole store and there's so many customers and there's possibly scheduled five people. <laughs> We only have 13 people employed at this store, and there's so many customers. And they are good. We don't have fair scheduling. Managers don't care about us. Our manager was supposed to come in this weekend, and he took himself off the schedule, so he wouldn't be able to be held accountable for calling out. He just literally tore down the schedule that he was scheduled on and put up a new schedule where he wasn't on the schedule. Also, he couldn't have even seen that he was scheduled in the first place because he didn't want to be held accountable for not wanting to come in. They don't want to help us. We need a union because this can't happen. This can't happen. We need fair scheduling. We need managers to hold themselves accountable for helping their workers. They refuse to turn mobile orders off. We need the liberty to be able to do that because there's so many mobile orders and I need to get through all of them. And then people are yelling at me because I don't have their orders ready. And they don't know what to do. <laughs> and a customer was misgendering me today, like really badly. I didn't have their order ready. And so they were just like talking, talking to each other. And they're like, she's clearly incompetent. I have a full mustache and beard. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I don't get accommodations for being neurodivergent. I don't. Like, I can't use. Like, I, people get mad at me for using my sick time. I don't even know what to do anymore. I'm like at my wits end with this job. I really am. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just had to play the full one. It's just so good. <laughs> Mickey Pollard, actually. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but account I mean, I said this on Twitter, right? When I was 16, uh, my dad got really ill and had cancer and was really, really stressed and had to, you know, couldn't work and didn't get disability or whatever it was called then. Um, and my parents were really stressed and I wanted to go out and have fun and buy things. So I got a job in Burger King. Uh, I worked on Whopper board <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I did, I worked on my speciality was good. But I used to do eight hours longer, uh, you know, something like eight to 10 hours a day. Um, I was on two quid an hour and they were real uh, so-and-sos. So if you worked, you got a certain amount of meal allowance per hour you worked. So they would give you a break after an hour and a half so you couldn't really have anything to eat, maybe just a drink because you got like 20, 30p power. So if you had a break after five hours, you might afford something. Um, and it was really, really hard work. Uh, but I really learned the value of money. Um, and, you know, yes, OK, I can understand that he or she, she's a bit stressed out from, it's just, you know, retail is stressful, I get that, but come on, eight hour days, it's not that hard. Um, and you just think you've got to develop some resilience, you've got to get in the real world, uh, you know, and how are we bringing people up that, that they haven't got, you know, this kind of resilience about them? Yeah, okay, I can appreciate that they're having a tough day, but really, you know, let's go and cry and scream because lots of customers want, want their orders. We'll just get on and, you know, just just exactly. do it. I know. I think there are people, yeah, I mean, I feel bad, actually. I feel slightly bad laughing because obviously this person is genuinely distressed, um, but it does speak to a, a total lack of resilience and, and work ethic uh, that, that we seem to be instilling in, in, in young people today. You said, what, two eight-hour days in, in, um, in Starbucks? You know, when I was doing my A-levels, I worked part-time in a pub at weekends, you know, doing waitressing, doing washing up. Um, and it's one thing my parents have always said, Caroline, whenever you've wanted something, you've gone out and, and worked for it. And, you know, life is hard work and it, it gives you an appreciation it certainly gave me an appreciation for people who are on low-paid jobs and do have to you know do do that day in day out you know and it, the dignity you know I'm a big one on the dignity of work um but yeah this was just crazy really it, it's not something you'd want beside you in the trench in a war so bumbling <laughs> away crying their eyes out La last clip and this is just think like just under a minute last one and i promise our viewers and caroline we will finish up with this let me bring this up and pro jam can play this yeah it turns out yeah it turns out that this was all a lie yep i was really just kind of hoping we could put all this behind 
find us and move on. Is that like, is that an apology? Because it doesn't really sound like one. I know that I called you a grandma killer, but I really just wanted what was best for you. I actually couldn't visit my grandma in the hospital or even attend her funeral, but my heart was in the right place. I also lost my business and my job. I had good intentions and my kids' social, mental, and physical development was also hurt. Listen, we just didn't know. I knew, lots of people knew, but you refused to listen. Instead, you called us names and wished death upon us. Let's just call a truce, okay? But according to your hat, you care about social justice. What does that have to do with anything? Why don't you care about justice here? I don't hear you demanding apologies or reparations. Because that would have to come from me and we just need to move on. So you don't believe in accountability for oh, systemic well. injustices when you're the one guilty. Can't we just build back and move forward? And I don't want to build back a system that allowed this to occur. Don't you want peace? I found this sign on the ground. Maybe you recognize it. <laughs> and on that, yeah, there, oh, there are so many. That was that was courtesy of David Vance. Uh, and I know you're on his, his show recently, Caroline, but that's courtesy of David uh, on his many uh, memes and videos that he regularly puts up on his Getter account. So... Carla, as always, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, people can follow you. And you've had a, a Twitter boost, I know, uh, from the police knocking at your door a month ago. I hope this you being on here does not cause another Twitter boost in the same way. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. But Karen, as always, thank you so much for coming along and sharing your thoughts and the stories of the week. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Peter. Thank you. And to our viewers, I'll just leave our viewers with one question. And it is this one from the wonderful Right Said Fred actually had this yeah. up on their post. And it is this question, deep question. It is the question, if we divide 123 genders by white supremacy, how much climate change do we have? I will let you ponder that. Uh, maybe when we're with you, you can come back with the answer. But on that, have a wonderful rest of your day. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your weekend. And look forward to seeing you on Monday. We'll be back with uh, Gard Ziegler. Uh, Marco Polo's organization have just published the Hunter Biden laptop report. Um, that is the most comprehensive report, perfectly timed, actually, for the midterms and handing the Republicans to actually uh, do justice with the Biden family. So in on Monday, and that's Garrett Siegler, who we have had on before. I met in DC a couple of months ago, uh, but we did a much longer one on this latest report. So, on that, have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and we'll see you back on Monday. So, thank you and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.